0: Bookworms Horror Podcast is sponsored by Creepy Crate. Creepy Crate is a horror and true crime subscription box filled with spooky collectibles, macabre accessories, and terrifying goodies. Each bi monthly box is filled with over $85 of terror and includes at least one horror or true crime book. This box delivers dread to your doorstep for just $39.99. With free shipping, go to creepycrate.store to subscribe. Use the code bookworm5 at checkout to get $5 off your subscription. That's bookworm5 for $5 off your subscription. And now to the show. Welcome to Bookworm's Horror Podcast. A podcast to get you inspired to write and hopefully get you encouraged to submit to our horror zine bookworms i'm your host james ability check out my latest youtube book review it's the audible only original creature feature featuring stories from joe hill grady Hendrix, paul tremley and many more if you haven't purchased issue three the halloween issue of bookworms it is selling out fast so get your worms today the sc link is in the show notes Regina is a Wadi Award winner for Best Horror Novel, as well as multiple screenwriting awards, including a Webby honoree. Regina is also the contributing editor of the best-selling Local Haunts, a horror tube anthology. Find Regina and her alter ego, Batilda, at her booktube channel, Regina's Haunted Library, and on her blog, rstclaire.com. Regina and myself are the editors of the Bookworms Horror Zine, and since we're seeking great horror fiction for Bookworms, we created this weekly podcast to offer writers quick tips on writing for the genre. Find all our links in the show notes. Now let's jump into my conversation with Regina as she speaks with me from her haunted library. (laughs) This week we have a new quote by John Irving. This one is about beginning your story. Um, and we're going to discuss how beginnings when you're writing. Here's how John Irving says how he begins. I always begin with a character or characters and then try to think up as much action for them as possible. What do you think? What do you always begin with?
1: Uh, I do start with a character. I, I think that's excellent advice. I think Stephen King said something uh, similar as much action as possible. I mean, that can be interpreted different ways, but definitely starting with the character, I think is very smart. i just, I was just reading, uh, even though this isn't my usual Halloween reading, I, I belong to a book club in Bristol at that new bookstore. And we're currently reading pride and prejudice by Jane Austen. Ooh, you know, I,
0: That's so weird. Last night I was watching, um, this documentary on Jane, uh, uh, Austin's um, home, I guess, that she died in, oh. and it was this real sad. Do you know? Here's a fact: how much money she made in her entire life no. on, on her books. I have
1: no when idea. she died,
0: her entire amount of money she made from her books was six hundred and fifty pounds. Wow! Now this is
1: now. Does she have an estate? That I mean, I guess her well, stuff's been in the public domain a long time. Her now.
0: family was rich, I think. And, yeah and, you know a class. she came yeah but she was living in a like what they thought of was low class the way she was living her mm-hmm. brother was basically supporting her i think but you know now she's looked at in a whole different way but um she had a very sad ending you know and and so it's interesting you bring that up but anyway
1: yeah but i was just you know when i sat down to read this i would read it before at least once when i was in college but i'm like oh it's gonna be classic it's gonna be boring but within the first paragraph i'm like hooked into the story because it begins with the characters and it begins with the problem of, you know, this uh, mother trying to marry off her five daughters in a time. And this is also where context is important. Mm-hmm. If they didn't marry, they would be impoverished or they, you know, would have to find ways to support themselves maybe by being a maid or, or, you know, like a, a governess rather kind of thing. So Yeah. Great, great story and great, great writing. And the book is awesome, of course. Classics are that way for a reason. But yes, always start with the character. I believe that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And a lot of times, writers and I've done this myself. And you know, I'll begin with like, I got to set the scene first. But you don't really. This the scene comes out of the the action. That's right. The setting.
0: Yeah, your character is going to determine a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't know your character, then you don't know how they're going to react, and you're not going to know, uh, you know, where they would go in any scene. You don't know what they would do.
1: Yes, I'm. I absolutely. I feel like one of my strengths as a writer, which, if I can say that about myself, I have weaknesses too. But one of my strengths are. I feel like I create good characters and I really believe that's because my background is in drama
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's really where I started. And I think about, I sometimes even act out what my character would do, you know, like I become my character and I really try to create a a well-rounded character. And that is one of my pet peeves. When I read submissions, people send in are just undefined characters,
0: bland
1: like maybe they don't even have a name. They just, it's a generic kind of character. It's, it's just a, something that no writer should, a fiction should be doing, in my opinion.
0: Now, Joe Hill, who was Stephen King's son, had a similar type quote. I went up and saw him in Brooklyn when he released oh, right. his book, um, Full Throttle. And he, okay. he talked to us and his one thing was start with the character and then you basically try to step on that character through the whole story, like try put every obstacle you can in their way from what they want. And basically, yes, that was his advice.
1: That is great advice, because, again, getting back to drama, it's all about conflict. And if you're I mean, the, the Pride and Prejudice is a great example. It's a love story. You have these two people that. You know, you want to get together so bad. It's like you're reading Twilight or something, you know, then that and that's actually what why Twilight was successful because people cared about that relationship. And that's that's the the crux of all good love stories. But any story you have to have conflict. If if the if people fall in love and it, it's smooth sailing, then why write the book? Like on page <laughs> one. You know, you have to You have to have conflicts. The conflict could be an internal conflict or it could be external. I mean, I'm just doing this whole thing with with the exorcist. You know, the whole the fight of good and evil is classic, but it works.
0: How do you feel about characters and conflict that have been done but still seem to work? So here's a good example. You brought up Twilight Mm -hmm. and Twilight is what's the main character's name? Do you know?
1: The
0: uh, the girl, Bella.
1: Oh, Bella, yes, Bella and Edward.
0: Right, but it's not just Bella and Edward. It's Bella, Edward, and the werewolf. Oh, yeah, Jason,
1: yeah.
0: Right, so there's a triangle here.
1: It's definitely
0: and a triangle. And a lot of this, there's such a common thing where we have this girl, and she has to choose between the good guy or the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games is the same thing. You have Katniss Everdeen, and you have the one guy who's sort of the bad boy, and the other one who's the good boy. Now, how do you feel like, let's say we have a listener who's writing a book and this is what they want to do. It's a It has been proven successful. Do you think things like this can get, you know,
1: worn out? Uh, yeah, I think you have to be careful that in the way that you do it. Because so many readers now are so smart about, that they have names for all these tropes. Yes, you know like what is the one the wife in the fridge one? Have you've heard about that, like uh, don't, don't put your wife in the fridge. I don't know. It's a it's whole <laughs> thing in horror. Don't put the wife in the fridge. I'm not really sure exactly. Like, I'm trying to remember exactly This what that isn't means, the one
0: where you like that. They eat the, like the, the whole story where uh, they serve the vic- the their victim to the police type thing or.
1: No, uh, I, th- I think yeah. it's like, Like maybe it comes from like the gothic, like the the ex-wife in the attic kind of thing. I don't know, but it's like don't don't put your wife in the fridge. And they have these uh, tropes for that are recognizable. People like them; they want them. But at the same time, if you're too obvious about it, it's like oh, I saw that trope coming. And you know, like the triangle. I think the triangle is always going to work, but you have to be clever about the way you do it.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting going back to Star Wars is that's what the original A New Hope was a the same thing. We had Leia, who's the princess. Han Mm -hmm. was the bad boy. Luke was the good boy. Right. And that was supposed to be that way. Luke was never supposed to be her sister. I mean, her brother. Oh, that was never the case, because even in Empire Strikes Back, she kisses Luke. Lucas was so tired of doing Star Wars that he just got very lazy and said, well, we'll make Leia the sister. (laughs) that's exactly what happened
1: well i you know what what, why those movies were successful and like you you know you know i'm not a fan but uh is that they were based on the hero's journey yes and and the uh, mythological archetypes that always work so you can't change it too much you got to stick somewhat with the formula
0: Star Wars worked because, just as you said, they took the hero's journey and they put it in outer space, you know? Yes. And, and and the problem after Star Wars was everybody was like, oh, okay, let's make a movie using the hero's journey. And right. it became, like you just said, with the, the Hunger Games and Twilight, it became so obvious to viewers. You have to be very vague
1: with yes, those it, changes. That, that's a thing, but as we know from successful romance books, like Harlequin romances, those are very formulaic and I can enjoy like goth, a gothic, uh, like those old Gothic paperbacks. I like those better than like a Harlequin, but I know what the formula is and I still enjoy them, you know? So it's like when people like superhero probably has those certain formulas too. Yeah. So, But it's like there are ways of keeping it fresh. You just have to find or unique or putting a different spin on it or put or changing the setting. But character is important. If it's just generic characters and, and a formula, that's going to be very boring, yeah. in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think when it comes to beginnings – you might not always hit the character, right? Like in, you're saying, all right, I got a story and it's a, uh, this guy's going to go through time and solve a crime. Okay. Well that might be your beginning. That's your idea, but you don't want to write until you know that character. Cause yeah, I mean, you can well, write, I'm not can, saying.
1: Yeah. Explore along the way yeah. that I, I also think like basing characters on people, you know, but just making it bigger than life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: when I when I wrote Black Magic, I really based my uh, dark character on a kind of like clownish people that I've known. You know. Yes. And I, I, he's like one of my favorite characters, but maybe I'm the only one who get, who gets that. But I I really enjoyed writing that character because I could take out my frustration on certain people I know through that character.
0: There's a book called Save the Cat.
1: And I've never read that book.
0: But the idea is what we're talking about when we're talking about character. Save the Cat means your character in the beginning of the movie saves the cat and you immediately like them. Right?
1: Oh, I thought that book meant like like from Alien, like she's got to save the cat. What? Yeah.
0: No. Well, I mean, it is the same. You like, yeah. but do you like uh, Sigourney Weaver because she saves a cat?
1: Well, I I think that, yeah, I do. I mean, that. But that isn't that at the that end the of the cat, movie? It is at the end, but that whole sequence of her saving the cat is very really revealing about her. Well, that's her. also
0: in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh. Right? Doesn't she save the cat?
1: Maybe. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah,
0: she does. I think She calls the cat Cat, I think. I think that's the name of the cat.
1: Well, if you want someone to really hate your character, have them yes yeah. something mean to the cat.
0: Yes, or a dog
1: or a dog yes
0: but the that's point is to simplify this know your character make mm-hmm. them likable give them a want and make it extremely difficult to get that want
1: because yeah, that's that's pretty good because, but make them likable is that's also kind of yeah that's that's subjective in a way
0: Give me an example of a character that isn't likable that you know of. It could be from any because I'm not talking uh, about like an anti-hero.
1: Right. Uh well, like Scarlett O'Hara, which, you know, from Gone with the Wind uh-huh. is uh which is a uh you know problematic but, uh, in film. But well her character becomes like less likable as it goes along, where it becomes kind of like you're kind of with her character until she becomes such a bitch that you are like, okay, I hate her, you know, but you're still with her. I don't know, maybe that's a bad example.
0: Well, why would why are we with her?
1: Because we understand her and we understand what she wants, which is the wrong guy. That's what drives her, is her desire for the man who she thinks she wants when at the, you know, the whole time she's got the guy who she really should want. So that again, we have that triangle and she's too too stupid to realize it until the end when she loses him. And then, you know, she's like, she kind of gets what she deserves, I guess at the end, but you're kind of always hoping she'll get him back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's not in this case, it's not so much that whether she's likable, it's that you as the reader are trying to stay with her to see if she gets what you get, you know? Like you understand what she needs. You want to see if that happens.
1: It's also like we're, I mean, how likable are we to ourselves? A lot of times I think why we relate to characters in books is because they're not likable. They're flawed because we know that we're flawed and we want to see this character work that out and and maybe triumph because we hope that we'll be able to work out our our flaws and our problems. I think if your character is too, you gotta to be careful not to create someone who's too nice.
0: I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Okay. Because I think likable does not mean nice. Likeable can be, I mean, yes, it's a flawed person, but you like maybe them.
1: relatable like, is the better
0: word. Maybe that, that is it. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you have to care about them enough that they will achieve what they want mm-hmm. if you don't care that this person gets what they want they're not you're not relating to that because you're like well i don't know relatable i mean but i'm saying like likable to me doesn't mean they're a good person
1: okay likable right.
0: means that you care uh, maybe that's the word like
1: yeah
0: you, you care about the character enough
1: yeah like, uh, like Decker in Blade Runner isn't necessarily a nice guy. Yeah, there's
0: a lot of things well, where... we're
1: definitely with him.
0: Yeah. yeah, There's a lot of characters um, that you're with. Like, even Hunter Thompson in, in Fear and Loathing. <laughs> I mean, boy, talk about having flaws. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, a one... Uh, show i absolutely love and i can't wait to the next season is house of the dragon have you watched that yeah yeah the main male character i forget i forget his character's name you know the uh he's like the bad boy yeah
0: the one at doctor who who who's playing yes
1: he is a very unlikable guy he you know he's awful but gosh i can't wait to see him again
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then again, that that
1: will he grow and change? You know, will he be tamed? Right. Or will he only become worse?
0: Right. And, you know, your villain can be not likable, but you have to understand your villain.
1: Like, yes. You have, if Norman Bates is a good example,
0: there's a lot of examples of Mm -hmm. just villains who are villains, and you're like, eh. But if you understand why they're doing what they're doing, then it's a much more interesting because in, yeah. remember villains do not think they're the villain.
1: That's true. Yes. They, they just are justifying what they're doing. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's all we got for this week. Okay. And we'll be back next week. And how do you feel about the quotes?
1: I think they're interesting. I think they're good. Uh, you know, prompts for discussion. Right? Yeah. So
0: you want to keep that going? Yeah, let's do it. I like it too. All right. So we'll see you next week.
1: Okay. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Bookworms Horror Podcast. All our links are in the show notes. and We'll be back next week with a new episode. Is a Gorilla Delphia production.